We are concluding our series on the book of Ecclesiastes this morning, and uh, Ecclesiastes is a very uh, interesting book, interesting, maybe one that you're like, wow, how, how is that uh, in there? And one of my friends, I was telling him that I was preaching a series on the book of Ecclesiastes, and he said, well, have you been asked the, the question yet? And I said, what, what question? He said, anytime I've heard someone preaching on the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, someone says, well, Hey, I really like your sermons, preacher, but like, when is it going to be done? Like, uh, kind of tired of hearing, like, this is kind of a, a little bit monotonous. Like, all right, okay, meaningless meaningless. All right, that one's me. Okay, like, but when, when is this going uh, to be over? And, and you all get a lot of credit because no one asked me that um, through this series. I only did six weeks, so like, I mean, I can't really say that if I get a gold star because maybe that person was doing you know, like a much longer series. But it is a book that is surprising. And I hope that you remember from this book a couple things. First, it's in the wisdom literature in the Old Testament, in the middle of the Old Testament. And in the wisdom literature, you have the book of Job, which I believe is a message about what happens when you lose everything. And that's a message that we need from time to time. And then the book of Ecclesiastes is what happens when you have everything? And it's not really what you want. And there's wisdom to be found in both of those places. And consistently, again, the word that I would hope you learn from this is uh, the word meaningless. 38 times in 12 chapters, and it's just slamming it down our throats. Meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Like, trust me, I looked for meaning in all of these places and in all of these ways, and it just wasn't easy for me to find it. I love the honesty of this book. And how at the beginning, there, there's a narrator who says, you know, just FYI, like I'm kind of the narrator uh, behind the scenes. And then there's this character uh, who some would believe is Solomon himself, but at least it's someone who is writing like in representation of how Solomon uh, would view the world, then writes most of the entire book. And it is filled with meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. And then the narrator comes back and doesn't say, hey, don't listen to him at all. Actually, no, these words are, are helpful uh, from time to time. So he's not wrong. There's going to be seasons in life when you feel like this. But still try to remember God and honor God with your life. And the narrator says in Ecclesiastes 12, 12, be warned, my son, and this is how the wisdom literature is often written, like, like a father passing this on to a son, of anything that is in addition to these words, of making many books, there is no end, and much study wearies the body. So basically what, what he's saying here is, okay, don't be, I mean, be careful. Don't just add words like to, to this document um, and of making books like this, this kind of thing. Um, it's, there's no end and much study wearies the body. So basically like you can think about this for a while, but you probably don't want to make it your major. Like you don't want to think about it forever. And it's helpful to think about this idea and recognize that this is a part of the spiritual experience, but this might not be where you want to spend 50 weeks of preaching. It's helpful, and it's helpful to know that there are people within our congregation who are going through an Ecclesiastes-type faith moment in our lives, and we would all, you know, raise our hand, perhaps that is you in this season, but just don't like, think about this forever. It's helpful, but it might not be the, the main thing that you want to think. And I hope that you've been reading the book of Ecclesiastes along uh, with this series. It's, it's just fascinating to me that as the, the Bible is, is put together, which is a really fascinating discussion, that it basically people would, would come to understand like, okay, this, this 
book is, is helpful for this reason or that reason. This one is super helpful to the community. And if you've been reading Ecclesiastes, I think it's like, wow, how, how did a group of people say, you know, well, we have to preserve this one? Like this one, like it, it, it makes the cut. It's gonna, this one needs to be read forever. I think one reason why this book is in this space is it helps us to be honest about our experience with God's world. It's helpful to be honest about the way that we can sometimes uh, experience doubt or to use a, a modern term that things are just meh sometimes. That maybe you, you, you've poured your life into something and it, it's just not getting the results that you would have hoped for. Or, or you've sought like wisdom in that area and it's just not really working out. And you can look around to other people in your life and just think, it seems like everyone else is getting it. It seems like it's making it work. And there's things that we observe about life that, that are frustrating or hard. And it's in those moments that we can sometimes just throw the baby out with the bathwater and be like, I, I'm not in on this anymore. That's why I love Ecclesiastes. So an observation that, that drives the, the writer um, crazy is mentioned in Ecclesiastes 8, uh, starting in, in verse 14. There is something else meaningless that occurs on earth. Okay, one more meaningless thing. Uh, the righteous who get what the wicked deserve and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve. This too, I say, is meaningless. There are people that, that I look out at, and I'm not pointing at anyone specifically, but there are people that, that I look at in the world and they're evil. And no, I'm not pointing any fingers. There's just some terrible, terrible people in the world. This is just vague. Like none of you, none of you are. But there's, there's, and, and there's some terrible people in the world, and they, it seems to be working out for them. And then I know some really righteous people, like y'all. <laughs> and you know, like sometimes being righteous works out, but sometimes it doesn't. And this is one of the things that he just returns to over and over. It's very frustrating. It's difficult. And I think there are moments for all of us when we observe something that happens in life. And we might not verbalize it this way, but because God doesn't treat the situation like we think the, the situation should be treated, we get frustrated. And what is the, the thing that you would fill in the blank for in that situation? For him, he's saying, you know, righteous people, they don't seem to have much better luck than, than the person who is unrighteous. What is it for you that you would point to and say, hey, that, that, that's a faith crisis for me. That, that's hard. It's hard to understand. And then the Ecclesiastes writer, remember, says, like, I tried all of these different paths. I, I tried to achieve meaning through all the things that you all, that we all could like try to say, all right, I want to hang my hat on this. I want to hang my hat on, on success or, or wealth or pleasure. And he basically says, trust me, I did it way better than you could ever do it. I had more access, more wealth, more opportunities than you ever could have. And trust me, I went to the end of that path. And I didn't find meaning there. I like how John Calvin said this. He said famously that the human heart is an idol factory. And Ecclesiastes is, is exposing that in all of us. All these little G gods that we could worship at, the, at their throne. We can spend our entire life, and the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying, I will save you the trouble. I did it. 
And then the ways that we can make idols of God. When God doesn't do what we would expect God to do, it's like, all right, I'm not interested. And I think that's a common theme for our world today, that it's something that is, is wrong with, with God or, or with church. And it's like, I just, I don't really want to be part. And Ecclesiastes says, that's part of the human experience. And I love the, the prophets too. If you have a problem at, at times with um, organized religion or these type of structures or systems, the prophets, which is much of the second half of the Old Testament, it's like, yeah, trust us. We've had all these critiques too. And they're in the Bible. But Ecclesiastes, the narrator says, you're not wrong to sometimes have this experience and it's okay to verbalize it. Pete Enns is an Old Testament scholar who perhaps you're familiar with. He has a podcast called The Bible for Normal People, which is kind of interesting. I don't know who normal is uh, exactly, but that's, that's what the name of the podcast is. And he tells a story. He's an Old Testament professor. He tells a story about just reading uh, a Bible, one of his kids' Bibles with, with his five-year-old son. And they get to Genesis chapter 3, uh, the story of the fall, and they read the story. And then his son says, but dad, snakes don't talk. And he was like, uh, well, uh, um, I, 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 and his temptation was just be like, but it's worth it for the whole of the story. Like it's worth just, just, you know, just, just hang with it. And his son just wouldn't give it up. He's like, but dad, snakes don't talk. And his son is having his first like faith crisis as, as a five-year-old. And his temptation was just, you know, just, just be, you know, quiet and just, just, just don't worry. It's, you know, for the larger story, you know, there's some parts that we're just like, okay, I don't really fully understand this, but just believe but he said it's in probably his greatest moment of brilliance. He said, he said to his son, why don't you tell God how you're feeling about that? And let's verbalize that together. I think when we have some of these experiences in these moments, it's tempting to just push them below the surface and just like act like they're not there. But books like Ecclesiastes invite us to recognize that, yeah, sometimes this journey of faith is hard. And sometimes your observations in, in life, like it's frustrating and it's easy for us to think, you know, if, if God is like this or that, I, I just want to give up on the whole thing. But books of Ecclesiastes invite us to say, hey God, snakes don't talk. This is hard. This season of my life is difficult. There's an Old Testament professor named William Brown who was reading Ecclesiastes with a bunch of college students. And one of the students said, reading Ecclesiastes makes everything okay. It doesn't make it like a cookie-cutter approach. So this book is a recognition of what it is to be human at times and what it is sometimes to name what's going on in our hearts. 
as we look out at whatever is going on in our context or in our situation, and we can say, this just isn't making sense. And when you're tempted to push that below the surface, may you find a way to, to turn that over to God, to spend time communicating in, in community. Because this is a part of the journey. Romans 8 says it this way, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. If you go back one slide to that middle passage, uh, Jasmine, uh, that, that word uh, for creation was subject to uh, frustration. The word that, that is used there, the New Testament was, was written um, in, in Greek and it, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, but that word in Greek has parallels to the word meaningless that's found in the Old Testament. So it's a very similar word. For the creation was, and I would say still is, Subject to meaninglessness. Sometimes this wrestling with faith, sometimes this wrestling with God, it's just leaving us in a difficult space. All of creation, at times, we're going to experience these moments of frustration and difficulty. And, and I know for me, it's when I experience these things that it's just like, oh, it's just, just got a little bit hard. But there's such power in what God can do in us when we continue to pursue, even when sometimes we got some struggles and it's difficult. I think of the Old Testament character that's mentioned in the New Testament. In 2 Timothy, let me read this passage. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygelius and Hermogenes. And this is Paul who is writing from prison. And uh, he's saying, just FYI, I'm in prison and everyone deserted me. But let me call out a couple of y'all by name. Like, that's, that's harsh. If you're like Hermogenes, you're like, hold on a minute. Like that, like everyone deserted you. Why did you call me out uh, by name? And in 2 Timothy, I, I think you see Paul, who is this person who we would call a spiritual superhero, at, at like his weakest moment. He, he's facing death and he's really concerned. He's not sure how this is all going to end up. And, and he just is like basically saying, you know, everybody deserted me. At my weakest time, I'm struggling. And then he says, but may the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesephorus because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he showed up for me in Ephesus. So Paul mentions this character, Onesephorus. What did he do for Paul? He showed up. 
And I think in today's world, you can do that through online. So for those of you watching online, you don't have to always show up, but we love it when you're here. There's something powerful that happens when we show up for each other. And we see Paul as this, he's this spiritual superhero. He goes all around the world to spread the name of Jesus. And he is on fumes and basically calls out everybody in Asia. And he's like, just FYI, there's only, uh, there's a couple people who I want to mention by name. But there was this one guy, he, he came and he found me in Rome and he refreshed my spirit. He sought me out. Because he knew that I was in need of refreshment. He continued to show up. And it makes a difference. It matters. In a, a community of faith, every week we're going to have people who, who show up who are on their last leg, perhaps, or struggling. And every week we're going to have some people who need to be looking for those people. And it's okay to be both at times. There's going to be times when, you know, you're singing the song, you know, he gives and takes away with all confidence, and it's okay when you take it away. And other times you're like, I don't even want to sing those words right now. But there's such power and showing up, and like, honestly, as we try to think about, you know, when we have something to give, or when we don't have something to give, we just don't know, right? And because we're not in control of it, we don't know when, like, something powerful is going to happen in a church experience. And I've definitely experienced this preaching, because I have to say something about 42 times a year. I'm thankful that we have Austin to give me a few breaks here and there and others who get the chance to preach. But about 42 times a year, I have to say something to you. And there are times when I feel like, you know, it's like the Holy Spirit is just whispering in my ear and I'm like, thank you. And it all just goes really well. But there are times when if I'm honest with you on Saturday, I'm like, I don't feel like I have a whole lot to give. Like, I don't feel like I have much uh, to say uh, in this experience. I, I don't really know. And there's been times when I've told Mandy, you know, okay, let's, let's say an extra prayer for this one because I just don't think I have it. But I have to tell you, every time that I've said that, there's been someone who's come forward and said to me, that changed my life. And I'm like, That? Three weeks ago should have changed your life because that was so much better. <laughs> and then I'll have the experience when someone will come up to me and they'll say, oh my goodness, Brian, it was so thankful. I'm just so thankful that you said this a few weeks ago. And I'll go and now I can rewatch the live stream. I didn't say that. <laughs> and I don't tell them. I don't ever tell you. I'm just like, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All, all glory to God. And apparently, I'm not unique in this experience. There's, there's this meme that I think a while ago Jim Settlemeyer sent to me. It's kind of hard to read, but it said, I thought my sermon would be good. It was just okay. I thought my other sermon wasn't good, and everyone loved it. I have no idea what I'm doing. And that, <laughs> that's it. 
there are times when, when I come and I, you know, I feel confident perhaps in like what, what I have to share and it's on those Sundays that I'm kind of looking around and no one comes and says anything. I'm like, all right, I guess I'm just going to have to believe that that worked. And then there are times again where I, I feel like I don't have a whole lot to give and, and on those weeks consistently. I believe it is God's spirit working through you that just comes up and says, hey, you know, you blessed somebody today. And I've just learned that through my job because, again, I have to say something about 42 times a year. And there are times like when you're going to your job and you're like, gosh, I don't feel like I have a whole lot to give today. But it's amazing what God can do in us that sometimes even when, when we maybe feel a bit empty. Rick Ashley is, is a mentor of mine and um, a, a famous preacher in, in Churches of Christ, our denomination. And he tells a story about his dad. And his dad had been married to his wife for, for 40 years and she passed away. And his dad lived for, for 10 more years without her. That's why I love the book of Ecclesiastes, because everyone has different reasons for going through hard times, right? At different seasons of life. And his dad lived for for 10 more years without her, and he said, one of the things that I think helped to save my dad is that every week he had a place where he would go where everybody knew his name. where there was a group of people who would miss him if he wasn't there. And I hope that the book of Ecclesiastes helps you, as I know it's helped me, to think about those times when there's maybe something specific that's going on in my life that's hard or frustrating or I'm disillusioned, by this, that there's just something that, that starts to happen in, in all of us. That, that God uses when we show up. Aiden gave an amen to that. Aiden's like, yeah. He's like, I don't even want to be here. My parents dragged me here today. <laughs> but your cuteness is worth it all, buddy. It's, it's worth it. There's something so powerful that happens even as, as we show up in ways that, that, that we wouldn't even understand. I think one of the things that Ecclesiastes teaches us in healthy ways is that that we aren't in control. Like no matter how much we try to control the outcomes or we do really good in some situation or we seek meaning in in all of these ways, the the best kind of life is about submitting and saying, I I don't fully understand all this and I'm never going to fully understand all this. That's okay. And it gives us permission when we want to shake our hands at the sky and say, this doesn't make any sense. We think about a group of people who said, gosh, you gotta get that in the Bible. They didn't even fully know what they were putting together, but you have to put that in there because this is the human experience. So for those of you who who showed up today on fumes, whatever that looks like, I'm so glad that you're here. And for those of you who showed up very encouraged, go and find those people. (laughs) 
And may you always know that this sort of thing is a journey. And sometimes going to feel that way. But that doesn't mean that God isn't at work. Because I know that I get the chance to, to share a message with you all, and it's easy to start to think that this gift is, is more valuable than, than others just because I talk for a while. But the gifts that, that you all bring to our community every single week are so incredibly important and valuable. And you just never know when God is going to do something powerful through you. Because on, on the Sundays that I feel like I don't have anything, God's like, all right, cool, that's right where you need to be. And next time you tell me that, that message a few weeks ago was so good, and when I'm nodding, you'll know what I'm doing. Because <laughs> God does something magical with people who just continue to show up. No matter what is going on in their heart. So let's pray together. God, we are thankful for this book, which invites us to be honest. As we think about seasons of, of life where we realize how out of control sometimes we can feel, it's refreshing to hear that, that a group of people at one point said, this needs to be in here. Because it's what it is to be human. And for all of us, who sometimes feel like we're running on fumes a bit, may we understand that you still have powerful things to do in us and through us. And it's sometimes in those moments of weakness where we are able to show your strength. Father, I lift up all of us as we seek to bring our lives to you. And again, I'm thankful for this book, which helps us to recognize that even during hard times, you haven't left us. In your son Jesus, and I pray, amen.